Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Mark Saxon is with us in character and smallman on 101 ESPN. Mark, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you again. And good to talk to you. It was good to see your face on the Mozilloc Zoom yesterday. What was your biggest takeaway from what you heard in that 45-minute get-together? I think the biggest takeaway, Randy, for me, and I, I'd be curious about yours, but, um, you know, it, while while the focus was cold and long, right, in this $12.5 million option that they declined, I think what's a little more interesting and more indicative of what could be to come is this notion that they're going to have to cut payroll. And Mo was pretty explicit about that, you know, saying that revenues were down. And so typically you would expect payroll to not be down. Now, Randy, you were on the call. So I, I tried to, you know, nail him down a little bit. What kind of percentage are we talking about here? He wouldn't bite, but you know, when you, when you start doing the math a little bit and you realize they have nine players coming back, who by themselves under guaranteed contracts will earn about a hundred million. And they're typically in the 150 to $160 million range. So you can quickly see that that doesn't leave a lot of flexibility this winter. So if there are changes to the roster this winter, some of them, you know, very well could be subtractive, you know, from a financial standpoint. And that leads into what my takeaway was, because I truly believe that the Cardinals are going to set a limit on what they offer Yadier Molina. I, my sense is that they might make an offer and say, here's what we have for you. We'd love to have you back at this price. But I got the sense that there really wasn't going to be much of a financial negotiation with Yadi. I think that's right. And it's different sort of than we've all been led to be, to believe the process was going to play out, which was that, you know, he very much wants to stay here. They very much want to keep him. And so there's no reason the sides couldn't come to agreement. Now, you know, what it sounds like is that Yachty's going, he is a free agent as of now. They have this five-day window to negotiate um, with him, but that's not going to happen. He's going to go out there. That He's going to see what other teams think of him to start getting some whether they're formal offers or just conversations to get a sense of that. And then the Cardinals will get back involved when they know what it looks like to see if it fits within their budget. Now, to me, that is a dangerous game to play because you run the risk of if Yachty gets excited by the first $10 million one-year offer he gets and jumps at it, you lose him. And at that point, now you're having to talk him back into coming back, back to St. Louis. So I think – it very much brings into play the possibility that Yachty is not here next season. I would agree with you on that. 
So actually, one other thing that Mo talked about was how he doesn't really see how the team can improve as it's constructed without a plan. And he went on to talk about that plan includes Jeff Albert and the Cardinals hitting approach and it really paying some dividends in the coming season. And I know a lot of fans don't really have any evidence to look to that and think that it's going to work out. So what do you think about their plan? And do you think that Jeff Albert's approach will eventually develop for the Cardinals? You know, it's interesting, Michelle. When all this was going down, I thought it was kind of like I was right on the fence about what I thought they would do with Jeff Albert. I really felt like it was kind of a 50-50 ball. And I think the determining factor was the shortness of last season. And when you really think about, you know, they brought him in to do this major, major overhaul of how they approach hitting, not only at the major league level, but throughout the organization. And do you pull the plug on that after what essentially was one and a third seasons. And I think they came down squarely on the no on that. They actually like some of the direction that he's taking the team in. I think what will be telling Michelle, because by the time a hitting coach comes in and you're talking to a Paul Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt has a pretty good idea of what he's trying to do up there at, you know, third, by the time he's 31, 32 and been to all-star games. But what about Nolan Gorman? What about, um, you know, Ella Harris Montero or Yvonne Herrera? It'll be interesting to see when some of the minor league guys come up, if they're sort of more on the same page with Jeff Albert. And I think that's the idea, right? Over time, if you approach things in a more kind of scientific, technological way, does it pay dividends? It doesn't necessarily happen in in a year or two. And so I think that's the thinking there. And I'm not entirely uh, opposed to that way of thinking. I think it is smart to think of things in that way, and most teams are so. I guess I just have to say, you know, that the jury's still out on that one. Mo said yesterday that the Cardinals are going to have to reevaluate their evaluation process on the heels of a Rosarena's great postseason. Do you think that they can change that process without bringing in a different set of eyes and a different mindset? Can can the people in the Cardinal organization change their evaluation processes on their own without somebody else taking another look at the players? Yeah, that's one that, like, when you first think of it in broad terms, it seems like absolutely it's something they could be doing. And I thought that was Mo's finest hour in the press conference yesterday of owning that, and I think he used that exact term. That's on me. You know, if we evaluate a player wrong, ultimately it's on the guy who runs baseball operations. So I thought that was a good way of handling it. Now, when you really get down to the details, like, who do you blame? You know, is it? Is it Gary LaRock's fault? Is it Moe's fault? Is it Michael Gersh's fault? What scout, you know, vehemently insisted that, you know, Randy O'Reilly's Rosarena wasn't going to be a good player? I doubt that guy existed, right? And so it's harder to evaluate what they could actually change. It's just about good player evaluation. And ultimately that, that trade will be judged on a five, six, seven-year um, sample because what they got in return was a minor league player, a very low level, uh, high upside, but low level minor league player, a young guy, Matthew Liberator, who could be fantastic in the long run. But the problem is Randy Rosarena just did exactly what the Cardinals need somebody to do, which is to carry a team to the precipice of the world series. So in a way, you do have a lot more information than you would have expected so quickly after a trade. It's certainly, you know, 
I think he had to fall on the sword. There was there there was no other way to go about it, and I think he handled that well. Mark, part of the speculation about the Randy Rosarena deal was that maybe the Instagram Live and the Cardinals clubhouse had something to do with that. Do you put any weight to that? Do you think that factored in at all to the Cardinals making that move? Michelle, I don't have any, like, it, all I can tell you is when that happened at the time, it, it, people I talked to sort of off the record and behind the scenes really didn't see it as that big a deal. Um, it wasn't like Mike Schilt said, um, you know, we should have drilled Acuna three times in that series. You know, something that would have, he was basically just hyping up the team. And so while it was viewed as inappropriate, I think most people viewed that as just kind of a rookie mistake. Um, you know, here's a kid who's coming from Cuba who's excited that he gets to express himself, right, and, and, and can hear how other people express themselves. And so I don't think that that really had anything to do with it. I think it had more to do with they just thought his skill set was extremely raw, and they didn't think that they, – they ranked him behind some players because of that. And I think the lesson there, if anything, is – raw ability eventually is going to emerge. And you see teams carrying guys who throw hard for years, and this would be an equivalent of that, because what if one day they just, something clicks and they figure it out? It's why you keep those extremely high-talent high, high talent players around. And I think that's an area where you could say, look, they should have never given up on him that quickly. And I think that's kind of where I come down on this one. One more thing for Mark Saxon, and you can read his great work in The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Mark A. Saxon. It's my belief that this franchise, which has always taken a a more global, big-picture view, I think they're looking towards opening day of 2022. I I really think they're looking for that date when Carpenter and Fowler and Molina and Wainwright are off the books, and they have a chance to look at Gorman and Montero and get Zach Thompson up and, and get Libertor up. I believe that next year, the the 2021 season is kind of a punt for the Cardinals. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more, Randy. I think the last thing they could do would be to say that publicly, though, because the fan base, while they might see some logic in that, and teams do kind of go through these cycles and they need refreshes from time to time, it's very hard to think about you know saying goodbye to a Yadier Molina who's given – this fan base, so many incredible memories, right? It's same with Adam Wainwright. But I do think that is where things are trending. This team does need to reevaluate, you know, how it does things a little bit. It needs to be open to entirely fresh ideas as well as, which we've kind of talked to already, as well as new talent kind of carrying them to that, that next level. You do need a refresh at some point. So they're moving toward that. The one thing I would say in terms of punting on this year is, Let's see the way these other teams sort of come out in the next coming weeks because this could be a very different winter. And let's see what the surroundings are, for example, in the NL Central because the other teams could very much be in a similar situation. And the Cardinals could, despite everything you said, wind up competing next year anyway. And so they could kind of continue this incredible run of competing every year, um, even – even without having that offensive upgrade that we all know they so badly need. But I I will agree with you that in 2022, there's a much better opportunity for that. Always good to hear your voice, sir. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. 
right, you guys are the best. Take it easy. You too. That is Mark Saxon from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin and find out who he thinks won the candy draft as we head towards Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.